And uh, Stevie used this scripture last week, did an awesome job. So what we got last week, this is, I'm going to tell you what I got out of last week before I read the scripture that I never have seen. That in the secret place are seeds because it's like we're going in a womb and there's seeds there that we go into the secret place to tend those seeds. Most of us tend and want fruit outside of relationship with Jesus. We do. Even as Christians, we're like, I'll work my job and then I'll go into a secret space secret place. I call it space. But the thing is, is it's, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but that, that picture of us having a source to go to, it's like having your, Carlos Slim is the, is like a multi-billionaire in Mexico. He's, he's always one of the top 10 or 20 people in the world wealth-wise. And I'd be like having him be your dad. And you could all, whenever, whenever things got dry or hard or you needed something else or something broke, you would go to your dad and there'd be a resource, a pool. And that's how, our, that's how the kingdom works. That's how our relationship is to work. We go in there and we build relationship. And in building relationship, things are produced. Tangible things are produced. Healing is produced. It's not just like I know something or I have a better grasp of Scripture. It's like I am in, in relationship with God, and I go away to be in relationship with them. And then Mike, Mike Espinosa, who spoke, uh, the, who started the series, he talked. It really it was a really neat look at that. Hey, you build your you build your marriage layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of conversation, and that's what prayer is. And I have a book called Daily Prayer Thoughts. You know the power of conversational prayer, and it's like really simple. And it's you just keep talking to the Lord. There's multiple reasons why we stop. It's very similar to why we stop talking to our spouses or to our kids or to our neighbors. All right. But so I want, I want us to go take the combination of its conversational prayer in relational prayer in a secret place, in a quiet place. All right. So when I'm speaking right now, I'm speaking, I'm speaking of my relationship with the Heavenly Father. You... Do not get, you don't get a benefit of that, anything past your head, unless you believe that you can go into that secret place. And then you actually go in there and you begin to tend to those seeds that Stevie was talking about. Well, we've made a mistake. We think we hear good preaching and then we get something because we have something up here. But really the Lord implants things here and then they grow and infect your head. So people yesterday had experiences with the Lord that they didn't think about or hadn't known, and they were talked to in different ways and blessed when they probably haven't been blessed in a long, long time, okay? So they had experiences. So I think it was just me. So we had Monique there, too, was doing art. I'll post that on Facebook. Her, her, it's not completed yet, but she worked for like five and a half hours drawing on our porch and I was fixing to go, and a, a guy came up there, a guy and a a man and a wife, and they were pretty drunk at uh, 5 o'clock. And, um, but it was awesome because a lady keeps looking at it. She goes, uh, man, that's life. You're painting life. And it was really funny. It's like, of, I mean, because Monique had told me that before. She felt like it's a coming to Jesus type thing. And I can't remember all the words. But, um, but you know, they had an experience of being loved. Um, and she stayed out there and talked with Monique and I took the dad and inside to look at some more art that was in there and talk to the kids and stuff like that. 
there's an experience to be had that we offer. In fact, in prayer today, I, I'm, I'm probably not the first to say this, but Bill Johnson says we owe the world an experience with Jesus. We don't know the world good doctrine. We don't know the world the Bible study. We don't know the world our tithes and offering. And we do we do all of those things, but we owe the world an experience. And there's a there's a declaration that I that I um, that I think I, I said something like this during prayer is that people always experience God when they're around me. Why don't you just declare that? Say people always experience Jesus when they're around me. What about if we woke up with that mindset? Whoever needs Jesus, I've got I've got him in spades, man. I'm loaded. I mean, I got a, I don't even know what, I don't even, I got a flush hand. I don't even know what like the, the best thing in poker is, but I always win and I always give people Jesus always, always, always. So I want us to have that mentality, not just on a Saturday, but in our marriage and our conversation, raising our kids, using our finances, using our talents and everything like that. All right. So verse five, and it's in the message. So it's going to sound a lot different. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can imagine, as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. Ouch. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. There's conversational prayer. In other translations, it starts that, that verse 5 and 6. Uh, 5, it says, don't love to pray in synagogues. Don't love to pray in churches. Don't love to pray on the street corner. Don't love to pray to be shown. And it, check your motive, it's saying. It's saying, and it says it in the messages, don't be tempted to pray this way. There is a great temptation for us to pray religiously. There is a great temptation for us to pray religiously. When I was on this trip with Jim and his dad, I started praying uh, at a point. I, had a, I felt like I, I had, uh, we, we, we didn't, it wasn't a prayer trip. We prayed twice for specific reasons. So we're sitting there, we're praying. And I started praying. I said, God, just like in the movies. And I described the scene in the movies. I said, that's what you, and I said, oh no, God, just like in scripture. Cause I, and I used a movie reference in prayer before I used a scriptural reference. And my friend Jim starts snickering. I start laughing. We are laughing. And then I just go on in prayer and rebuke Jim for making fun of me praying to my father. And, uh, and we laugh and laugh and laugh. And then we get on with our prayer. Well, Eric's been a believer for decades. He's, the next day he's like, Les, that's the first time in all the prayer meetings I've ever been in that anybody's ever laughed. And I thought he was going to go... And wow, that was weird. And he said, that was awesome. We are in a conversation. When we're in a room together, when we're over at that building, or we're here right day, we're gathered in Jesus' name. So when we're praying together, it's not like I'm praying my 10 minutes, then I'm going to listen to you pray your 10 minutes. We're in a conversation together in a room at a table with God there with us. So when we think about that, it's that simple. 
When we're praying, God is with us. So we're praying to God while our brother or sister in Christ is right there. As we enter into the secret place, the secret space, it's a little bit different than that. So is Jesus telling us not to pray in churches or synagogues or street corners? No, he does not mind us praying out loud. I prayed out loud when we started. We pray out loud at meals. We're, we're supposed to pray out loud. We're just always supposed to check our motive. If our motive is, oh, so-and-so is here, I'm going to pray this kind of a prayer, then that's a wrong prayer to pray. It's a prayer that I don't think God hears. I think he's like, talk to the hand. He just pushes it out there. I do. I he doesn't hear. We think he, he, we think he hears, he, we think he like, like hears everything and he does, but I think he's just like, nope. I think even if it's a, even if it's a good prayer, I think he's just totally like, that's not a conversation he's interested in having. He wants authentic, true, heartfelt conversations. God would rather have you say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't think I trust you. I feel like you let me down the last three years. And I'm mad at you. He would rather have you have that conversation with them where he can get to some depth than, oh God, everything's okay. Thank you. You're such a good God. And then all week you talk bad about your life. So he wants, he wants authentic, very authentic. And we don't want to pray when we're and, and seek approval from others in our prayer. We want to pray from a place of we're already approved by the only one that matters. So we don't seek approval in our prayers. We pray from a position of I could care less what you think when I'm talking to my father in public. And the more we have a private prayer life, a back and forth with God the greater and more powerful and more pure our prayers in public will be. Okay? So th- th- there is a both. And um, we do not want the, the, uh, the praise of men. We don't want men to give us position. There are positions to be had. There's pastors and teachers and prophets and intercessors and apostles. There's the mayor. There's, 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 there's the police officer. There's the governor. There's the president. There are positions to be had. Those positions aren't bad. We don't want to walk in such a way where we try to gain spiritual position in people's lives, okay? So prayer, there's a reward that comes with praying with wrong motive. Did you read, did you, I hope you heard that in the scripture. There's a reward that comes when you pray with wrong motive. There's a reward that comes when you pray with right motive. Which reward do you want? Most of us, and it's really hard, want the reward that men give us because we don't want to struggle to enter into the secret space, the secret place, and get the reward from God the Father. I want you to see that. You're being rewarded for your prayer life. If you don't have one, you're being rewarded for not having one. I don't think that I don't know if that's a reward though. Which it, it, you're, you're producing fruit, negative fruit if you don't have a prayer life. Not having a prayer life says I don't believe talking to God makes a difference. I don't, I want you to hear this. This is like so hard. You're saying, if you're not praying, you're saying, I don't believe 
building a relationship with my father matters in my walk and in my life. Isn't that amazing? You're saying, I do not believe that conversation is worthwhile with him. Or I believe he's so mean that if I'm honest, he'll reject me. So you're calling God something that he's not, and you're saying he's not that good of a father. All right? So there's these rewards. The reward that comes from, from wrong motive or praying, not praying in public, but loving the public, public place to pray, that reward is the admiration of men and women. The admiration of others. So you get off, you get out from behind your, your prayer. You come down and people are like, good job, good job. That's your reward. That's why people who are powerful speakers and powerful prayer people can get up, say great things with wrong, and get off and get high five and then go be depressed and miserable and lonely and commit adultery. Because they were rewarded right here. What they don't, what we want to do is we want to work. We want to do the work of the struggle, the perseverance, have the faith and the patience that I can be face to face with my father and talk to him and he'll talk to me and my life will begin to change. And the reward of that secret place is a tangible manifestation of everything that he has given me to inherit and to, to release here on earth. It could be a release, a greater release of anointing, of ministry, of joy, of encouragement. But as I am seeking him and his face, I begin to be transformed. My shame falls away because I, 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 I keep knowing him. I keep going back to him. I keep going and say, I, I, this is going to sound awful. I hate you. I can't trust you. I feel like you lied to me. Church let me down. My pastor let me down. My parents abused. All of this, you start laying out this stuff. You go back and back and back. And he keeps loving and loving and loving. As he's loving you, you begin to be released from shame and condemnation and bad memories. He begins to heal you. There's a reward in that. Check this out, though. The reward is grace and peace and joy. The reward is love. But in uh, Matthew six twenty eight, which is just a few verses down, I'm going to read this out of the NIV. And I, I quote this a lot the last few years. There is a reward, a tangible reward of food, shelter, clothing, and physical provision when you seek ye first the kingdom of God. It says, verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek him to a spiritual act, and these things will be provided unto you. So anywhere you lack physically, begin to back up and go into the Father and say, Father, what, what, what spiritual seed do I need to tend to have a physical manifestation of a, of, a, of a broken relationship restored? God, back here in the very quiet place and with you, what seed do I need to tend so that my finances switch, so that my depression leaves? 
This is how we fight our battles. It's completely different than everybody else. Completely different. So this inside of Stevie's in the secret. I've been thinking about this since he said it. And um, I just love how he stated all of that. And so I want to just close in the next 10, 10 or 15 minutes or so with how do you tend the seeds of the kingdom that are in the secret place? How do you tend them? I've told Stevie said, go in there and tend them. I've show, I've told you now like what some of them are. And if you tend them, there's a manifestation of, of peace and joy. I, your vision for your life increases when you're with the father. Your identity becomes secure when you're with the father. And people notice that when you've been with the father. They might not go, oh, you've been with God. But they go, well, this guy's like different than he was a year ago and five years ago. And, and, and everything about him has shifted over time because I'm in relationship with someone who manifestly changes me. So how do you tend these kingdom seeds in the secret place? I, I have a couple thoughts here. First is stop tending the seeds of other people. Stop being busy with the, what other people are saying. Stop being busy with everything going on in the world. And when I taught on prayer, I said, pray for people, power, right power, and provision. Begin to narrow your focus and stop serving other masters. I know we have masters of Jesus and the the devil, but there's all these other sub-levels of stop being trained by the world to think like the world and go into the secret place and say, God, I want an answer for why, why Alzheimer is decimating people. We're being blessed with longer life, but that life and so many people is being cut short. I want an answer. And then be willing to tend that seed until you see an answer released. In the medical field, in nutrition, whatever it is, be willing to do that. Be willing to go, God, I want to know how my prophetic identity. I, man, I have these words for people, but I've never been able to release them. And go tend that seed and then, 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 then learn that. It's, and, and, and under this stop tending the seeds of others, I put in stop serving other masters. Stop judging other people for what they are, are or are not doing. And examine yourself in the light of the kingdom and then do what the Lord's doing so so stop tending the seeds of others and stop working on producing fake fruit nobody wants to bite into fake fruit i don't think anybody does anybody ever bite into fake fruit no really so you 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 have you have like a bowl you go into somebody's house like that's like awesome but it's not nurturing anybody there's no seeds for that fake fruit to grow any other fruit you can't blend it even when the fruit goes bad which plastic fruit never does when when real fruit when fruit of the kingdom goes bad and you blow it and you're a bad steward and it goes rotten and it's thrown out at least it nourishes the soil around it and the seeds have a chance to sprout again we should love fruit and rotten fruit and seeds and flowers and the blossom that leads to things and the fragrance, then we should we have to leave fake fruit alone. If you are not a patient person, man, man, go in. You you have a seed of patience waiting for you in the private space, in the sacred space. 
and God will tend that and you will become everything that everybody says you're not. You will become patient. It's, it's, it's true of anger, of laziness, of bitterness, of, of everything. There's a seed in the kingdom that you go and tend and you walk out and you live something completely different. And the word says where you were weak. You will be strong. It's not because you say it. It's not because you do a lot of work to like be strong in that area. It's because you go in and you become weak in front of the one who chose to be weak. So you could be strong because his father's strong, all of that. And then you come out fundamentally changed. And as a Christian, the whole idea of salvation is transformative. It's we're changed and we want to walk into the change that starts in the spiritual realm, goes into your mind, and then manifests physically. But we always, you know, I've always taught body, soul, and spirit. And I've always started with body. But I find out even in weight loss, it's spirit, soul, body. You start, God made my body. God gave me stewardship over my body. God loves my body. God wants me to be healthy. He's made me steward and ruler over my body. And you get that and you start going after that. And then your mindset changes and then your body follows instead of starting with your body. But as Christians, we love the fake fruit of not committing adultery. We love the fake fruit of not blowing up in anger at church. We love the fake fruit of being all cleaned up and showing up and having the right answers. All fake fruit. Nobody's starving for fake fruit, by the way. Nobody's starving for fake fruit. Nobody's breaking down anybody's doors. Who's going to Hobby Lobby every week buying fake fruit? Yet we go to the store to buy real food three times a week. We go up and load up at Costco. We, have, we need to be sustained on real food, on real, on real fruit. So stop tending the seeds of others. Stop producing fake fruit and recognize right now. That the enemy of your soul's main job is to get you out of relationship with your father. That's his main job. That's his only job. And he loves to do it through religion. That's what the scripture's talking about. He's talking to people who are good, praying, well-educated, moral people that have wrong motive. Recognize that that separation. So if you are not talking to God, then the enemy is winning because he's separating you. We had some, some elders, me and David and Wes, God, 15, 16 years ago. And we were super connected for about six or eight months as the church fell apart. At the church falling apart, we met all the time with the finances. We met and mowed the yard. Don Volkerding would show up in his uh, Scooby-Doo van. Don had... <laughs> Don't have like a hippie van, man. You know, Scooby-Doo, a hippie van. You'll probably be pulled over because there's probably some young kids in there doing something bad. And he'd open that up and you think it should be smoke filled, but it wasn't. He had lawn equipment in there. <laughs> Is that a fair description of your van? <laughs> and we would most of we, so, but me, me and David and Wes were together a lot. There's a couple, um, I think there's like 10 of us on the weedy bunch. And, um, but after a while, after that first year, if we didn't see each other for like three weeks, we'd be like, <gasps> Is everything okay? Because we were so used to talking all the time and we thought it was all, we, we, we kind of made fun of each other for missing each other because we're grown men. We were in our 40s. Uh, David wasn't, me and Wes were. And, um, but I think God, that's with the God. We should go, I'm missing something. There's a conversation I'm missing. I, I feel bad. I, I feel I'm missing. I want something. What, what is it? And it's always, it's always the Lord. So recognize enemies after you. 
recognize, recognize that the enemy uses religion as much as he uses immorality. We think, it, we think it's immorality. We think it's drunkenness. We, and it is all of that, too. So, but it's not like I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose um, addiction. I'm, I'm going I'm to get out of addiction. I'm going to choose religion. There's that third option of relationship. That's the gospel. That's salvation. So, all right. Um, I'm going to close here. I've got a little bit more, but I want to go ahead and close. I don't want to go on a whole other thing. Let's go ahead and stand up. I want to. I want to bless you. And I want to uh, release Herman's uh, word here. And I, I just want to encourage you. In fact, I'm, you have a right to be in that sacred place. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a right to enter into that sacred space. Say it to yourself. Tap yourself. I have a right to enter into that secret space, that secret place. So Herman had a word about the spirit of overweight. W-E-I-G-H-T. Why do we continue to burden ourselves with depression, worry, negativity, etc.? So we can, we can all continue a life of low self-esteem, but take up his cross for it is light. I think that's probably uh, like a very clear word towards depression, um, towards uh, uh, emotional problems, anxiety, and stuff like that, is turn and take up his cross. Turn and take up his cross. And I want to pray that. This morning, and um, and I've I've a, this is going to sound a little bit weird, um, but Judy Judy talked to a couple Lindas yesterday. Has anybody here uh, have a Linda in their life that would struggle with a lot of depression? Linda, just I just wanted to see if there was a connection there. All right, it's just just take a moment. And in Jesus' name, we, we rebuke, we bind up the spirit of overweight, the spirit of heaviness. It is not of you. It's not. It's, your, 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 your burden is light and your, your burden is easy. And so we want, you, you, we want that spirit of lightness, that featherweightness of you, Father God, uh, to come upon us. But, but right now, we, we, just, we just bind up in the name of Jesus. But based on the work at the cross, we bind up the spirit of heaviness in our, in our minds, in our emotions, and in our very heart. We bind it up and we cast it out in Jesus' name. And if you struggle with that, even a little bit, a confusion, doubt, lack, your mind goes to negative quick. Just, just you start doing that. Start binding up in Jesus' name the spirit of, of the spirit of overweight, the spirit of lack, the spirit of heaviness in Jesus' name. Where I have to control all of my thoughts and I'm unwilling to give them to Jesus. We bind that up in Jesus' name. We bind up that lie in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That we have the right 
We have the right to not be burdened down by depression. We have the right as part of our inheritance, as part of the salvation package that we signed up for, to walk with freedom in our thoughts, freedom in our emotions, fully experiencing the goodness of God, the joy and the peace and the friendship of people around us, of our spouse, of our children, of people around us, and to even have a, 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 a sense of peace and joy when we're around people that are different than us, even those that are our enemies. We have that right. That's part of our inheritance in Jesus' name. And by the Holy Spirit, we just release the Spirit of Jesus in, 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 into our minds, into our bodies, in Jesus' name. And I just get a sense of when I, when I was reading the Herman's Word that, that some of us would say we're not depressed um, because our minds are, we have sharp minds, but we, we're holding it in places in our body. We're holding the, that, that heaviness in our body. And, and I don't know if, it, you know, if, if you maybe have chronic stomach problems or chronic heartburn or, or chronic, um, chronic pain in your joints or something like that. Or um, I just want to uh, just, um, just pray about that right now. So that, that, that heaviness that's often embedded in our bodies because we've, we've sunk down our thoughts and our emotions so deep into our bodies. We just bind, bind that o- spirit of overweight, that spirit of heaviness in our bodies and our stomachs in our joints, in our mind, in our heart, in our lungs, in Jesus' name, and we cast it out. And I'm going to go ahead and pray for lungs, too. So, Father God, for, for damage that's been done to lungs, in Jesus' name, we know that there's a process of, of, that you've made where the lung cl- cl- cleanses itself. But, Father God, we, we just, in Jesus' name, we just say that, that cleansing to be supernaturally accelerated. For the lungs and the breath and the capacity to breathe is restored multiple. So it's better than that. It takes people back to when they were young in Jesus' name. The the cleansing of that in Jesus' name. The restoration of the healing in that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, Father God, we just thank you that every seed planted yesterday, every conversation, every eyeball that hit, that artwork and every eyeball that hit, Pray with me, Tom Ball, the Journey Church would be impacted. That 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 that, that, that people would know there's a, a church in this region that believes in prayer, that believes in healing, that believes in the supernatural. That every person from the from the grandfather that barely spoke, uh, that was there with his three grandkids, to to the person at the very end that was drunk, Father God, that every person would today be sent somebody to minister to them, and that they would find their way here to the Journey Church, Father God, that that seed has been planted and we expect a fruit from it. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you all.